Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord and Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for life. You ever heard the phrase, oh, yeah, a little too little, too late, right? I had a friend, God bless him. He had a bad past. He was on drugs for a very long time, and he damaged his body with drugs over a period of years. Well, he got saved, and he repented, and he started doing everything right. He quit drugs. He quit the, the, the lifestyle that he was out there doing and all the crazy things. He put the bottle down and no more drinking. Got right. He did everything right. Total turnaround. Gave his life to the Lord and everything. He was just doing great. And I remember one day I was over at his house, and he was in the bathroom in the mirror. And he was measuring with his teeth, and a tooth came out. And he got very, very upset. Wasn't long later, he lost another tooth. And his thought was, wait a minute. I got right with the Lord. See, the drugs did that. But he's like, I've been right with the Lord. I've been walking right with the Lord for three years. Why am I losing teeth? And he already did the damage, see. The damage had been done for so long that even though he got right, the damage still was taking its toll. And the the thought too little, too late kind of comes into mind. It's like you should have got right a long time ago to prevent this damage. So this kind of came to mind when I read the latter end of 2 Kings 23. It's kind of a situation like that, a little too little. Too late. To catch you back up where we had been here, King Josiah, uh, his priest, found a book of God's law, and he read it to King Josiah. And out of sorrowful repentance for how bad Israel had been, Josiah ordered the destruction of all the false god altars, get them out of the temple, get all the false god worship out, and get it gone. But we're going to find out this is too little, too late. Father, we come before your word. Oh, what a hard one this one's going to be. Um, Lord, forgive us for the damage we've caused, and um, we're sorry. Help us with the consequences of it that may not go away yet. So I thank you, Lord God, that we can recognize some things, and maybe even somebody today may hear this and turn early from hearing this word. I pray they do. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, it's kind of like when you get out of the shower, I guess. When, as soon as you get out of the shower, you get the towel and you dry off and you've done all the drying you can do and you hang it up. But you walk in the house and that cold air hits you and you know there's still water on you. You got right. You did all you could, but there's still residuals hanging on to you. And it takes a while to come off. Well, sometimes that's too little too late. Those residuals are kind of like consequences of a lifetime of sin that just kind of stick. Well, I'm right with God now. Shouldn't that all be gone? Well, no, you still cause damage. There's residuals still there. So now in 2 Kings 23 and 21, 
So it says, then the king commanded all the people saying, keep the Passover to the Lord your God as it is written in this book of the covenant. And we keep Passover around here and we have a good time of it too. So I'm glad that we get to do that. They took it serious back then as well. But not only did King Josiah kick the false god worship out, but he also brought proper worship of the Lord back in. He he put Passover back on, okay? And you notice that Josiah made absolutely no apologies for this. He 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 didn't say, "Oh, I'm sorry about putting Passover on," you know, because you know there's going to people that didn't. There's people around that did not agree with this. This Passover stuff. What is this? You know, he didn't make apologies for it. It was the Lord's will for him to do it. Now, you remember how prophets, we had talked about this last time, prophets had foretold that Josiah would one day come and do all this work. He would one day come and tear all these altars down. They said it was coming. Here he is doing it. And so now he's doing it. So nobody had the right to accuse Josiah of being intolerant, as people like to throw that word around today. Be careful with that word, because the the way to the Lord God is narrow. That means there's not a lot of tolerance in there. Josiah said, we're doing Passover, these false gods are gone, and I'm sure a lot of people said, well, I don't like that policy. Well, who are you to tell us what we got to do? And Josiah said, the Lord told me, and I'm the king of Judah, we're going to do this. So he didn't make any apologies for it. I kind of like that. That's kind of a lost skill these days, a lost trait. So Josiah had the Lord's push, was behind him to get these changes implemented. And honestly, I... I think we have this written in the text for us to read so that we can do the same thing like Josiah is doing here. We've got to kick the false gods out of, out of our lives, the religious tradition, out and make changes to reinstate the commands of the Lord God back in and do not apologize for it when other people get so offended. I'm going to say a little something real quick, I'm not to praise her up, but Anna has been going through a lot of uh, weight. Uh, stress uh, from her job for a long time. People pushing on her and pushing on her and pushing on her. But she always gives glory to the Lord and they know it. They know she does it. They had this big uh, company get together thing and they gave her an award. She's the only one that got one. They brought her up in front of the whole company. And when she got up there, she glorified the Lord with it. And she made no apologies in front of this, these, all these people that could have done this political incorrect statement. Matter of fact, right after she did that, some guy came to her with a healing stone and said, I put positive energy into the stone, take it. And she said, I can't. Jesus is my healer. I can't take it. So it's interesting, right after she gave glory to the Lord, after years of this opportunity building up, she gave glory to the Lord, and here's the enemy right behind it, trying to take it away again. Healing stone. She goes, no, she made no apology for it. That's who she is. That's why she got that award, because it was Jesus glorified. I told her the day's coming when you're going to be put up in front of everybody, and you're going to get to glorify the Lord in what you're going through. And she did. And there was the enemy trying to take it right back again. Take this healing stone. So intolerance, maybe. Well, you don't like my healing stone? That's what I... Anna said, no. Josiah said, no, we're going to do this. Here's the way we're going to do it because we're following the Lord God. Second Kings 23 and 22. Now look at this, guys. Such a Passover surely had never been held since the days of the judges who judged Israel. 
nor in all the days of the kings of Israel and the kings of Judah, but in the 18th year of King Josiah, this Passover was held before the Lord in Jerusalem. Wow, there had never been a Passover like this. I mean, this was big. You think the one we go to was big? (laughs) I'm sure that one was huge. Josiah's observance to the Passover was so dedicated. He put so much into this holiday, there'd never been a Passover like it before. I'm telling you, I would have loved to have been at that one. But this Passover was a big deal. People from both sides of the divided kingdom of Israel came to attend it. It says they all came. I want you to remember, Israel had gotten into a civil war with itself. It was divided. You had the kingdom of Judah, and you had the kingdom of Israel. And this Passover, everybody showed up. This is big. This is unity. I want you to also remember that one king, just kind of like that healing stone, there was this one king that tried to take God's glory away. He invented new holidays to look like God's prescribed holidays of Passover. Because the king of Israel, he saw all his people from his kingdom. They were all going to Judah. They were all going to Jerusalem where the temple was at. And he's like, oh man, all my people are going over there. I'm going to lose all my people. So to keep my power, I'm going to make another holiday that looks like Passover to keep people on my side of the fence. You remember that? But here's this big Passover and this crazy divided kingdom of Israel from Judah, so divided their division, it actually got in the way of worshiping the Lord the way God wanted to be worshiped. They were that divided, that bad. So the divided nation of Israel, they could not get themselves together enough to worship the Lord as one, but they did for this. I want you to look at this next passage from 2 Chronicles thirty-five eighteen. It parallels our story. It says, there had been no Passover kept in Israel like that since the days of Samuel the prophet, and none of the kings of Israel had kept such a Passover as Josiah kept with the priests and the Levites, all Judah and Israel who were present. You see that? This is a divided kingdom. We're mad at you. We're mad at you. I don't like you. Well, I don't like you either. They were all present. They all came and the inhabitants of Jerusalem. In the 18th year of the reign of Josiah, this Passover was kept. I just love it how it says that both Judah and Israel came together to keep the Passover, to worship God the way he wanted to be worshiped. That is so good. Both kingdoms, finally, they got to where they could worship the Lord God together as one big family. Now, you see churches get into this divisive nature. Well, I don't like them, I don't like you, so we're leaving, and they disappear, and they're gone forever, okay? Well, what if there ever come a time where they came back? I've actually heard of churches that got mad within a church, a church that got mad at itself, split, divided, went and made their own church, realized the error of their ways, and that whole church went back to the church they left, walked up in front of the whole congregation, and said, we're sorry, we apologize, will you forgive us? I've heard of it happening. It's kind of like this. No longer any political divides, no personal grudges. The biased national hatred that one side had against the other was gone. There's no division to keep them apart for so long. Their only focus at this Passover, their only focus was to come and worship the Lord God, God's way. And I pray we get like that too. Your focus should be 
to come and be in the body of believers to worship God the way he wants to be worshiped. And that's it. I think this is a pattern here in this chapter that when, cho- when people choose to abandon God's way and do things their own way, then that is what brings the division. I want to do it my way. You don't come here to do anything your way. I don't come here to do anything my way. I come here to do the best I can the way God told me to do it. We've got to get rid of that biased, hard-headed division and just do things God's way. What a great Passover this must have been. Can you imagine the people of Judah seeing the people of Israel and like, oh, man, come here. I want to talk to you. Haven't ever seen you. Good to see you. I'm glad you're here. What a great Passover. False gods out. Praise of God back in. 2 Kings 23 and 24. Moreover, Josiah put away those who consulted mediums and spiritists, the household gods and idols, all the abominations that were seen in the land of Judah and in Jerusalem, that he might perform the words of the law, which were written in the book that Hilkiah the priest found in the house of the Lord. Now before him, there was no king like him who turned to the Lord with all his heart, with all his soul. And with all his might, according to the law of Moses, nor after him did any arise like him. I want you to get it down. This is the best king Israel ever had. The most righteous, the best, the peak that it gets. Keep in mind that it said he did this, he did that. Then it said, moreover, like the Bible is trying to say heaps upon heaps, this guy did right. What he did after this, he went after the mediums. You thought Josiah was done after Passover. Like, okay, we got all the false gods out of the temple. We had Passover. (sighs) Now I can chill out and take it easy. No, it says moreover. Like Josiah's like, I'm not done yet. There's got to be more. Go find me more to get out of here. Well, we have mediums and spiritists out there. Okay, let's go get them. He's going above and beyond. He's not done yet. He got rid of the major problems. He got rid of the altars, the priests, and the high places. He defiled them. He threw the bones of the dead worshipers on the altars. He did a lot of damage on the major stuff. But now Josiah turned his attention to taking down even the small, minor, little pockets of anti-God practices that were still going on around the land. So these mediums and spiritists that engaged in this kind of activity, the Lord God had condemned this. So he's still following the law. The Lord condemned this in Leviticus 20, verse 27. says, a man or a woman who is a medium or who has familiar spirits shall surely be put to death. They shall stone them with stones. Their blood shall be upon them. Well, the Lord warned them about spiritists and mediums back when he first brought them in the land. Now, this was done back in Deuteronomy 18 and 9. It says, when you come into the land which the Lord your God is giving you, You shall not learn to follow the abominations of those nations. There shall not be found among you anyone who makes his son or his daughter pass through fire. That means they burned them in flames as a sacrifice. Or one who practices witchcraft or a soothsayer or one who interprets omens or a sorcerer or one who conjures spells or a medium or a spiritist or one who calls up the dead. For all who do these things are an abomination to the Lord. If your kids look at Harry Potter, you're teaching them to follow abominations to the Lord. Oh, Ray, don't be so particular. I'm just telling you what's in the book. It's an abomination to the Lord. 
And because of these abominations, the Lord your God drives them out from before you. You shall be blameless before the Lord your God. For these nations which you will dispossess listened to soothsayers and diviners. But as for you, the Lord your God has not appointed such for you. Now, I like watching the Marvel movies, Captain America and guys that fly and all this mystical stuff. But when you really think about it, you get down to it, that's what it is. They're conjuring spells. They're shooting laser beams out of their eyes. They're flying around. Our kids are eating this stuff up. And they're not paying attention to the Lord God. I'm just trying to modernize it. The Lord God says, I didn't appoint you to this. You're supposed to be different than this. Don't give it all your time. I see kids, these movies like this, they give it their worship. They know everything about these shows. They don't know the first thing about God. And it's sad. From looking at Deuteronomy and Leviticus, you can just tell that Josiah is making these changes by the book. But do you see how Josiah put these changes into his kingdom exactly how the Lord God wanted it done? So I want you to take notice that to do things God's way means you first have to remove your way. Your way doesn't work. Your way hasn't worked yet. It's gotten you nowhere but trouble. Stop trying to do it your way. Pretty easy equation. Take your way out, put God's way in. So do you think that now, at all, since all these changes have been made, that God is going to say, you know what? I see y'all doing everything right. Um, we're good now. Let's just party and have a good time. You think God's going to say that? After all the centuries upon centuries, people killed, people murdered. I want you to watch this, and I want you to remember again how the Bible told us that Josiah did all this stuff, and then moreover, all these layers and layers of good things, and there's never been a king like him, never since, and we, we got Josiah built up so big that he's been this great guy, right? But I want you to see this. 2 Kings 23 and 26 says, Nevertheless, the Lord did not turn from the fierceness of his great wrath with which his anger was aroused against Judah because of all the provocations with which Manasseh had provoked him. And the Lord said, I will also remove Judah from my sight as I have removed Israel and will cast off this city, Jerusalem, which I have chosen and the house of which I said, my name shall be there. Okay, well, wait wait a minute, Ray. All this good stuff. Best king they've ever had. He took all the bad stuff out, brought all the good stuff in. Best Passover we've ever had. Well, wait a minute. You just want to say, Lord, we just made everything right. We did your will. We turned around and got right. We put Passover back in. We kicked the altars out. You honestly can't really still be mad at us, right? But he was. He was. No, no, God's love. He, as soon as I get right, he's got to be fine with me. You think so? Look at what's going on here. Why was God still angry, even though this was the greatest Passover, the greatest king? I mean, didn't Josiah do right? We read that. Why is God still mad? You know the term, too little, too late. Even Josiah's great reformation that he did, it still was not enough to dispel all the blatant, willful sin that the Israelites had committed for centuries. What the story's trying to tell us is that your very best is not good enough. Your best doesn't cut it. 
pull out all the stops, do everything right, it's still not good enough. All the years of rebellion, all the weight of their sin, it was just too heavy to make up for, even with everything that Josiah had done right, it was too heavy to make it right. Just wasn't enough. Israel's history is like on a scale. On one side, you got 10-ton boulders on one side, and Josiah comes in a little blip of time. He's like a little pebble over here of all the best we got. It still isn't enough to counter that boulder on the other side. Too little, too late. And because of this mountain of sin, the Lord still had to reject his people, Judah, just like he had handed Israel over to their enemies before. God also had to reject Jerusalem. And we did read here that God also rejected his temple. They just renovated the thing. They just made it built up new and nice and with all the other work they did. And God says, I have to reject that as well. Friends, sin provoked God's wrath, and so he rejected them. No, God has to accept me. We got right today. God has to completely accept me for everything. He's still rejecting them. He said that they would be removed from his sight. What that means is a hostile enemy force is going to come and physically take them away. And we know from history, since we have this in hindsight, that this is the point in history when the Babylonians were going to come and take them captive and drag them away. Doesn't look good. Second Kings 23 and 28. Now the rest of the acts of Josiah and all that he did, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the kings of Judah? In his days, Pharaoh Necho, king of Egypt, went to, to the aid of the king of Assyria to the river Euphrates, and King Josiah went against him. And Pharaoh Necho killed him at Megiddo when he confronted him. Then his servants moved his body in a chariot from Megiddo, brought him to Jerusalem, and buried him in his own tomb. And the people of the land of Jehoahaz, the son of Josiah, anointed him and made him king in his father's place. Okay, all the good things he did, though, Josiah's death was the result of God's wrath. And I know this seems unfair. This ain't fair. This is not fair. We really need to be careful with throwing the word fair around. If we got what was fair, you know what you'd get? If I got what was fair, I'd be thrown in hell right now. I would have been thrown in hell a long time ago. That would be fair because I sinned against the Lord. So we need to be careful about, oh, that's unfair. But I know in the terminology, it seems unfair, but when you consider all that Josiah had done, but we have to remember, we are the sinner and God is not. Bottom line. And we like to pride ourselves whenever we do a little pinch of what is right, when in reality, we are completely and totally inundated with sin. And that sin got, makes God angry and God has every right to judge it. But also, there's a lot more information about Josiah's death that I think we need to take a look at to understand a little more in Second Chronicles 35 and 20. It says, when Josiah had prepared the temple, Nacho, king of Egypt, came up to fight against Carchemish by the Euphrates, and Josiah went out against him. But he sent messengers to him, saying, What have I to do with you, king of Judah? I have not come against you this day. 
you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time, unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.